Welcome back to the Prospect League Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. Let's get into this week's news. Opening days is now 10 days away, which will take place on the 27th. Johnstown has introduced their custom-built ticketing platform this week. It's live, and single tickets are now available for purchase online. The Chillicothe Paints announced a promotional calendar this week. They have something planned for every game during the season. Here's some of the highlights. Gas card giveaways by Valero every Wednesday home game. Thirsty Thursday, which is $1 draft beers. Free kids admission all Sundays. And then here are some of the uh, uh, special nights. Post-game fireworks on opening night, which is May 27th, of course. Magnetic schedule giveaway May 28th. They're giving away a diamond on June 26th. What that encompasses, I'm not sure, but that's what they told me. They're giving away a diamond. The Paints t-shirt giveaway is June 29th. Post-game fireworks again on June 30th and July 3rd, which is right before July 4th, of course. They're giving away a replica championship ring, which is based on the ring they received in 2019 when they won the championships, and that happens on June 31st. Now we'll cover the Pistol Shrimp. Since the Shrimp moved in the offseason, their new home will be Veterans Memorial Park in Peru, Illinois. The ballpark and the field itself is currently undergoing a makeover to make sure it's ready for opening day. They've hired recently Jason Ferrari, which will serve as their director of baseball analytics. And they've also hired Gerald Laird, who will serve as their head coach. Now, Mr. Laird is a former Major League Ball player. He's spent time in Texas, Detroit, St. Louis, Atlanta, and Arizona throughout his 13-year career from 2003 to 2015. You may remember him from the 2011 Cardinals, where he served as backup catcher of the Yadier Molina during their championship run. The Shrimps Meet the Player video series is scheduled to be released today, May 17th, and continue all week. The series introduces the players on the team, along with video interviews for each player. The Shrimply Good Podcast, their first episode, releases on May 24th. It's a weekly podcast dedicated to Pistol Shrimp Baseball, including players, coaches, and staff interviews, as well as weekly recaps and previews. And we'll be right back with this week's interview. It's with Prospect League Commissioner Dennis Bastian. I would like to note that there's a little bit of audio differences halfway through the interview. It's hardly noticeable, but this is due to Mr. Bastian's phone dying, and we had to switch to another audio source. Welcome back to the Prospect League Podcast. This week we're interviewing Prospect League Commissioner, Mr. Dennis Bastian. He has an extensive background in baseball, spending over 40 years. Welcome to the show, Mr. Bastian. Well, thank you, my friend. It's Dennis. Uh, when you say Mr., I look over my shoulder and see my dad standing behind me somewhere. So, uh, Ryan, we look forward to uh, the conversation. Um, if you could explain to the audience a little bit about your background in baseball and how you became the commissioner of the Prospect League. Oh, wow. I mean, do we have hours or what do we have here? Uh, I was in, I was in college ball, uh, with SEMO, there where I were, you're at, uh, for two years and then transferred to Southern Illinois University. Uh, got hurt over there, didn't play. So wanted to get the administrative end of it. Uh, we knew what I wanted to do, but at that time there was only two sports administration programs in America, undergraduate at Western Illinois University and a graduate program at Ohio University, the only two. Now, every university in the world has a sports management or sports marketing degree. Uh, so, you know, again, we had to kind of design one uh, where I was at. So I basically was a gopher in grad school under Gail Sayers. They had SIU had hired him. And so, uh, you know, I knew what I wanted to do, didn't know how to get into it back then. So when the Tampa Bay 
Buccaneers expanded. He said, hey, the quarterback coach and the head coach are both good friends of mine with the Chicago Bears. You want me to uh, send a letter or call them? Sure. So I packed up everything I had into my mom's former 97-foot-long Buick LeSabre and uh, drove to Tampa, Florida. So started out as an intern with the Buccaneers, asked by the GM what I wanted to do. I want to be a Major League Baseball general manager someday. So he said, come here, let me show you something. We walked in across the parking lot. He said, see that pink building across the bay? Sure. That's the world headquarters of minor league baseball. He said, I understand. He said, once you take a long lunch, go and walk in the door and tell them what you want to do and see if they can help you. So I did that. I walked in the door and the guy said, well, Dennis Bastion, what are you doing here? I had no idea who this guy was. I didn't know a person in Tampa. It was John Dietrich. John Dietrich was the assistant to the commissioner of minor league baseball at the time, Bobby Bregan. He had done play-by-play of games at Southern Illinois University. I never saw him. Didn't know who was doing it then. So uh, he knew who I was. I did not know he who he was. So he said, next week is the major league baseball winter meetings. They're in, ironically, they're in Orlando this year. He said, if you want to, I got three other guys coming down that are wanting to get into baseball. He said, we'll put you up in a hotel. I'll give you some meal vouchers, but you'll be the gopher running around stapling papers together. This was before fax machines, before emails, before internet. I mean, basically, you're still running off an A.B. Dick machine with the purple ink. It's, you know, spun the thing around, made copies, and was a gopher. So it was myself and a couple of the guys that ended up making it as lifers in baseball. It was offered about 10 jobs in minor league baseball. I narrowed it down to being the assistant GM in Birmingham, Alabama, or the general manager in Gastonia, North Carolina, because that was a Cardinals team. I grew up just 80 miles from St. Louis and listened to all the Jack Buck and Harry Carey broadcast on my grandpa's knee. So thought that would have made him proud. He had passed away. So went to Gastonia, North Carolina to be the general manager. I didn't know what a GM did. You know, again, the back then you thought, well, you signed contracts, this and that. You know, I got handed a toilet brush. And, you know, we started cleaning the ballpark, selling all the ads, the program ads, the season tickets, the company nights, the outfield wall signs, et cetera, et cetera. Took to it, was there three years. The league then asked me to go clean up a big financial mess in Macon, Georgia. Uh, so I was asked to give mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to a dead horse. And that would have been a 1982 season. I was in Gastonia, 78 through 81, and uh, did that. General manager of the year and all that stuff. I uh, was asked to do the same thing in Spartanburg, South Carolina with the Philadelphia Phillies. So I did that too. At that point is where I met a young lady that uh, hired her to be one of our uh, Spartanburg girls that waited on people down in the box seat areas and uh, saw that there were sparks there. I had to let her go. I said, if we're going to see each other, it can't be, uh, you can't be working together. So let her go. We were married that winter. We had that time, my dad had realized that I knew what I was doing, so we mortgaged the family business, a seed company in Southern Illinois, and we bought the Winston-Salem team in the Carolina League. Uh, We were married in February. That night, we moved into the locker room on our wedding night in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, lived there until the players arrived in spring training. We built that up, turned around and added a second club, a rookie league team in Martinsville, Virginia, Built that up. I guess got a little big for britches and then put a Class A team in Charleston, West Virginia. We sold the Winston-Salem and the Martinsville Club after building those up and moved to Charleston for the first time. Uh, built a little house and uh, loved it there. The ballpark was a phenomenal old AAA facility there that the Pittsburgh Pirates, We Are Family 1979 World Series team all played together through the AAA years there when they were there in the late and mid-70s. So uh, built that up, 
Then got again big for britches. At the time, the Marlins and the Rockies were expanding in 92. That was announced. The Charlotte franchise, the AA Southern League Charlotte franchise, wanted to elevate from AA to AAA. So we technically traded our Charleston, West Virginia franchise, our Huntington, West Virginia rookie league team in the Appy League, and Lifetime Boot, and borrowed money and bought the Charlotte AA team. Basically, it was a piece of paper is all it was. This said we could move it to Lexington, Kentucky. I had a handshake agreement with the mayor and with the governor. A ballpark was going to be built. We designed it. Spent a lot of money doing that with the premier ballpark design company at the time, HOK, which is now Populous. And uh, we moved there. We played politics. And the whole thing fell apart due to a political scandal. So we're left holding the bag. So we had to have our team play somewhere that year. You couldn't have a double-A team without games going on for that major league affiliate. So the Nashville AAA team hosted our AA team. They played 144 straight home games. Now, we were responsible for any loss. Profits they kept, any loss we were responsible. One thing saved our behinds, and that was number 23 for the Chicago Bulls, wore number 45 for the Birmingham Bears and played right field in 16 games in Nashville, Tennessee. Overflow crowds, Roping off the warning track. So Michael Jordan basically saved the day for, for our double-A team there. Wow. We then moved to Springfield, Missouri. Tried to make the same thing happen there. Similar thing happened. It failed in a bond issue boat. So when that failed, we then threw our hands up in the air, got out of it, sold that franchise. That franchise moved to Mobile, Alabama, and played there for many years and has recently moved. And opening night was last week with the Rocket City Trash Pandas, in Madison, Alabama, uh, one of the most highly successful, never played a game minor league team in the history of baseball. They sold $4 million of merchandise in 47 countries before they ever played the game. So we're in Springfield. We're stuck. We moved back to the area I'm from, which is in Southern Illinois. When we cashed out, I bought land, built a house, and then I had been a little bit of an advisor in the movie League of Their Own, and they gave me the only set of blueprints in existence. And I rebuilt that ballpark along with four small-scale ones and had a wood bat baseball complex that I sold the rights to Powerade. It was Powerade Park. We did that for, I guess, 10 years, and I built it myself along with some high school kids helping when I needed them. And it took about eight years to build and then about seven years of running big tournaments there every weekend. But I had the itch to operate a team again. So I started working with the city officials in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Now, for you listeners out there, Ryan only lives about 10 miles from there. Uh, and I'd also met with the baseball coach and the athletic director about putting a team in Kappa Hall Park you know, and go into the prospect league. Well, I called a couple of people in the prospect league whom I knew. And then one of them said, well, we're looking for a commissioner. That way you don't have to run back and forth to Cape Girardeau. Would you have an interest? Sure, let's talk. So I drove to Terre Haute, Indiana with the interim commissioner that they had at the time, Bruce Roselli, uh, interviewed, talked, offered a job on the spot. That was five years ago. Uh, we've done a lot of things that uh, maybe were kind of unheard of at the time. So, uh, you know, again, that's that's how I got into being the prospect league commissioner. I walked away from putting a team in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, to becoming the commissioner. Long story, but you, but you ask. I am sorry. Was there any particulars uh, why you were interested with working with the Prospect League? Uh, yes. Um, you know, again, I operated teams. We operated teams that always started on April 1st or 2nd. Well, 
Again, we were snowed out about seven years in a row in Charleston, West Virginia. We played games on a Tuesday night in early April when it was 34 degrees and drizzle. And why anybody else would, why anybody would come, I don't, I don't get it. But they did. We'd average, you know, the small crowds on those nights. But the Prospect League was unique in that it didn't start till the college season was over. It was an opportunity to be back in baseball from an administration standpoint. I looked at it, we looked at it as a challenge. Uh, at the time, they were 10 teams, and they lost two. So I had pledged that we, by 2020, we would try to be at 16 teams. And it, that's the part I enjoy. Uh, but the Prospect League was unique in that it offered the opportunity to be in the game, to go to the conventions, to uh, you know, work with people who maybe weren't quite as experienced as maybe I was that, you know, give my ideas and thoughts and throw a little bit at them that maybe hadn't hadn't come their way before. So uh, we feel we've added added some to the league. And, uh, yeah, it's unique. And it allowed us to stay in our home. But the odd thing is we moved our office to the ballpark that was the league of their own offices uh, in the press box of the ballpark I built. It seated 1,800 people. We had bought all the salvage from Tim McCarver Stadium when they tore it down and used that as a seating for the ballpark I built, which is the clone of the League of Their Own Ballpark. Three months into the job as a, as a commissioner, an EF4 tornado wiped out that complex with exception one building where the office was at. Lost all power, all water, the fields are gone. It was We're still cleaning up over there, to be honest with you. So, again, that happened, and that moved us back into uh, to operate out of our house which sometimes that gets a little old, as a lot of people are aware, especially through the COVID. But uh, it was an opportunity to be in the game, to be a part of it, to share ideas, and to uh, work with some phenomenal people in our league. Well, we've seen the Prospect League explode uh, here with new teams, expansions, ballparks, and activity in general the past couple of years. Uh, what does the future of the Prospect League look like to you? Well, the future is, is unlimited. Uh, when I first came in, when we first came in, my wife and I, uh, and she had been by my side for 37 years in baseball, you know, she does all the work. I just, I just, you know, give her some answers on occasion, but no, the, uh, we worked very hard to get to the 16 teams. Now I'm going to answer your question by backtracking a little bit. Uh, one of the things that, uh, we developed in about 2018 was that by 2020, we wanted to be at 16 teams. Major League Baseball, for example, has learned that they have to be in a, any multiple of eight because from a schedule standpoint, 30 is an odd number. And it was that way when they were at 26. And it was that way when they were at 28. Multiples of eight work great from a division standpoint, from a travel standpoint, from a conference or a league standpoint. So my goal was to get to 16 teams. The one main part of what I do that I really enjoy is finding a city that maybe has an old ballpark or a situation where they're looking maybe to build a ballpark, meet with the mayor, the city council, parks and recreation director, sometimes state officials, make presentations, they'll follow that back up with phone calls, emails, more visits, et cetera, et cetera, and basically convince them the Prospect League is something that city should have. And, you know, the economic development, the economic impact that we have is you know, two to three million dollars a year in a city. It's a uh, it's a great thing. It creates a hometown atmosphere. It gives the people something to do. Becomes the thing to do. You know, on summer nights. And so, 
That was the goal to get to 16 teams. We had to kind of fall into our lap. It'd take a lot of convincing and presentations, but through minor league baseball contraction, when major league baseball dropped 42 teams, geographically we were able to pick up Clinton and Burlington, who've both been in baseball since the late 1800s, which is amazing. Uh, Clinton in the same ballpark for 75 years with renovations. So, again, by adding Alton, Illinois, Clinton, Iowa, Burlington, Iowa, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Johnstown is a unique story because it was a potential relocation city for Lafayette. Lafayette tore down an old ballpark after the last pitch of 2019 and was building a brand-new ballpark. Uh, but they went out to an RFP as a request for proposal, and several groups responded. We thought that there's a possibility that our team that had been there, the Lafayette Aviators, for four or five years had done a great job in the community. We, you know, Again, there was a chance they could not have landed the RFP, so we were looking at a potential site for relocation if that happened. Well, they got it. They kept the RFP. They kept the ballpark and the new lease and the new $25 million ballpark. But the same group that had it decided after they'd done some of the legwork, I was made three trips to Johnstown. And uh, we love this Johnstown area. It reminded us so much of our favorite city we operated a team in, in Charleston, West Virginia. Mountains on each side of the of the city, uh, river running through, whitewater rafting, beautiful area. And that ended up being the relocation potential city for Lafayette. And the people who, uh, you know, after we made three trips there, and I was telling the Lafayette people about it, they said, well, yeah, well, they went and visited on the what-if scenario in case they did lose the proposal in Lafayette. So they decided to put a team there. So that was the expansion city, the Mill Rats, last fall. Uh, Burlington and Clinton, I mentioned, you know, came in from minor league baseball contraction. All in Illinois is a unique situation. Uh, it is in the metro east area of St. Louis, the eastern, northernmost part of the uh, what they call the Metro East area. I knew of Alton, and I'd sent several emails to the park director. Uh, come to find out, he had played in the league when it, early on. So uh, made several trips there. And, and again, that's the part I enjoy is meeting, driving to meet with mayors, lieutenant governors, and parks directors, and making presentations to city councils, and you know, persuading them the prospect league is the route to go. So, again, we had uh, four new expansion cities, making a 16, but then – in December, our team in DuPage County, which is near Chicago, playing at Benedictine University, was told that even if the COVID scenario you know, opened up, they would not be able to play in front of fans at Benedictine University's ballpark. So we were scrambling. We spent uh, a lot of time looking at any market, any city, any place that has a ballpark, markets that were big enough to support it. We kind of landed in the Illinois Valley, which is Four cities combined in a, also two, and kind of a little bit of a mountain range. Yes, in central Illinois, river running through it, the Illinois River of LaSalle, Peru, Ottawa, and Spring Valley. So uh, the ballpark there is kind of a makeshift for this year, but they're looking at building a new ballpark and then some major, major renovations to the one there. So the DuPage County Pistol Shrimp became the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp. So technically we have five new cities for uh, 2021 season, which starts two weeks from uh, uh, this conversation, which is le- basically a week and a half from when this is being aired. So, uh, again, yes, that's uh, it's something we're proud of, 16-team league, but we're not done, done yet. We were looking at about eight other potential markets, 
Now the goal is to get to 24. When we get to 24, then the possibility exists we could have four 16 divisions or we could have three eight-team conferences. Uh, so, yes, we, we, we want to grow. We'll try to stay as close as we can to our current footprint. And there's numerous, I think it's eight markets now that we're talking to. And they may be two years, three years away, but that's how far it needs to be. A team needs somewhere close to a year in advance of opening day to market, to sell, to do a name a team contest, get the marketing the materials put together, get out in the public eye, do their sales of their outfield signage, the program manager season tickets, or company nights, the giveaway nights, the crazy on the field promotions, and be a part of that community and live there and be in the parades and the festivals and and everything that goes with being a vibrant part of any community. So, again, we're we're looking at potentially six to eight markets down the road. Are they all going to happen? Maybe not. Others might develop. Uh, so, yeah, this is that's the part of being a commissioner I like. Now, when a manager gets thrown out or something, we have to make decisions. Not real fond of that part. So, uh, but again, looking at teams, meeting with cities, making national sales presentations. That's the part of it I like. We've seen almost a resurgence of baseball here with the last year or so. I know from me, with the collector standpoint, baseball is extremely hot right now. And we've seen that with uh, the expansion of teams and the Prospect League flourishing like it has. It's a great time to be in baseball right now. It really is. And I think people, especially in our Prospect League cities, are hungry just to go out, to get out, and go to a ball game. If nothing else, just to be outside at an event. After going through COVID and what everybody uh, went through in this past, basically what sixteen months now, this is uh, this is unique. This is weird. This is uh, unlike anything. And just in the last few days, you know, we've had states that have opened up. I know that we have teams in Ohio, and they're basically going to be open, except for each particular municipality may have their own. Chillicothe is a unique situation. They fall under the federal guidelines, not the state or the city, because their ballpark is the only ballpark in America where our hometown Chillicothe Paints play that is not owned by the city, not owned by the county, not owned by the state, not owned by a group, or not owned by a private individual. It's on the grounds of the Veterans Administration of Ohio. So their lease is with the federal government. So that's an extremely unique situation. Uh, There's a lot... You know, Illinois is opening up soon. We have uh, six teams in Illinois. Missouri has been pretty open uh, since day one, with the exception of St. Louis County, which uh, our O'Fallon team kind of borders it, and they usually fall into the same rules and regulations as St. Louis County. So uh, Pennsylvania, I think, is opening up. They'll be at 60% capacity. And frankly, some of our ballparks are too big. You know, we can have a great crowd of 3,000, 3,500 people and a couple of ballparks, that's only half capacity. That's half full. So even if they're at 50, 60%, they can still hold what is a great prospect league crowd. So uh, I, you're right. You hit it on the head. This is just a flourishing time. And I know uh, folks, Ryan here is a collector. And with the NFTs out there now and all of the craziness over – Baseball cards I saw today on a national newscast that Target has dropped the sale of any playing cards because it's causing fights 
there was a couple major altercations. In fact, I think one guy is, you know, was involved with uh, almost attempted murder in a parking lot or something. So this is, you know, this is a, it's, it's, you're right. It's a hot thing. It's a big ticket. To play on the back of the trading card uh, market there, uh, do you have a 1986 Winston-Salem Spirits Pro Card uh, card of yourself there? Did you know that? Whenever they were shooting those, we had two different companies that were shooting our baseball cards, and we did them as giveaway nights. And they had three shots left, and he said, hey, you want to have a card shot to be uh, your business card? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, yeah, we did that. That just was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing that uh, used as a business card. So it uh, wasn't something I was jumping up and down wanting to do, but the guy asked me, and I thought, sure, absolutely. Well, I think that wraps it up. Uh, thank you for your time today coming on the show, and we hope to see the Prospect League continue to flourish as it has the past couple of years. People, hey, 10 days till opening day. So uh, look forward to it. And, Ryan, I thank you for your time, and I will end this like a very famous broadcaster who I grew up listening to for 40 years. Jack Buck ended every, every broadcast and telecast he did with thanks for your time, this time, till next time. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking around for the whole podcast. The interview with uh, Mr. Bastian is very insightful, and he has tons of knowledge and uh, experience in the baseball world. So do pick his brain if you have any opportunity to meet him. Like I said, we're only 10 days away from the opening day, which is very exciting for all teams. Uh, next week, I, I assume we'll have a lot of news because you know we're just a couple of days before opening day. We'll put all links down in the show notes with the ticketing platform from Johnstown, as well as maybe the schedule from Chillicothe as well. Uh, Any news from the Prospect League, you can find that on prospectleague.com. Click around on the website. It's very extensive, uh, as well as each one of these teams has their own websites with tons of information. If you'd like to write in and ask a question, or if you have a comment, please feel free to leave me a note at ryan at prospectleague.com. Remember, you can listen to us on every streaming platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Amazon Music, and many more. Leaving us a review and rating helps us let us know that you're enjoying the show. Until next week, this has been Ryan signing off. We'll see you at the ballpark.